0: Hey everyone and welcome to the podcast. This episode is proudly brought to you by Well, anybody, we are currently looking for a sponsor for the Road to Success podcast. So if you, an organization or business you know or are involved with might be interested in finding out some more information about sponsoring the Road to Success podcast, then please contact me online either via mattylovell.com or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram too. We can start to go over how things might work and have you or your business sponsoring the Road to Success podcast. Until then, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Road to Success podcast. My name is Maddie Lovell. Thank you so much for joining me today as I chat to health and performance consultant Nigel Beach. Nigel Beach, mate. Thank you so much for doing this, Maddie. I'm I'm so pleased that we've managed to come together after all this time. I know, I know, and um and to do it in person as well. You know, I think that uh, this year's obviously provided some challenges as far as um you know what we can do in person. But um I'm so glad that we can do this. It means we can enjoy the conversation so much better when it's in person yeah. rather than uh, than on Zoom. So mate, how's 2020 been for you? Yeah, well it's been um you know a real year of exploration because it does it's
1: pushed us out of our comfort zone in more ways than one, you know. There have been um you know real suffering going on with people and you know it's it's a different one. We've never seen anything like this have we on this worldwide scale, certainly in my lifetime. I'm 43 years old and um There's two ways you can go through it, I guess. You can either try and learn and grow and be curious and understand and uh, push on, or you can sort of retreat. And for some people, that isn't a choice, and for some people, it is. And I'm very grateful in that it is for me. So if I scratch and claw and toil in these times, um, things will go well. And that's certainly what's happened for me. So I've managed to uh, totally change the way I work and uh, good things have come from it. Good, that's so good to hear. What's one thing you learned this year? Um, I I learned that uh, things don't have to be perfect, you, you just need to get, get started, get going, and that's certainly something that, you know, I always thought I wanted some kind of online platform because I'm only one guy and I, I can't replicate myself, and then suddenly COVID comes along, and heck, I don't have an online platform, I don't have, you know, anything, how do I take my presence online. Well, it was actually a lot easier than what I thought. Um, It didn't have to be some kind of beautifully orchestrated, visually stunning thing. I just had to start and um, yeah, it's going really well.
0: Yeah, progress is better than perfection. You've got it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I guess I'd, I'd like to start um, with with you a little bit because I, I know technically on paper you're a, you're a, you're a physio, um, but I also know that the work that you and Element Health do probably um, you know exceed far more than what you know most people would traditionally consider physiotherapy. So, so maybe let's start there. What is it that 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 you do, and Element Health doing, and, and what's sort of been your journey to get where you are today?
1: Yeah, so. I I always knew I wanted to be a physiotherapist, Maddie. ever since I was 10 years old and my mum still got the first assignment I did. What is physiotherapy when I was 10? um, I didn't want to be anything else. And I did another... um, Projects you 'd call them at um, you know in my fourth form when I was about fourteen and I went and explored different modes of physiotherapy orthopedic physiotherapy when I spent some time in a hospital with a physio up there um, Cardio respiratory you know people don 't think about um, physiotherapy has really held um, great modalities in helping people with with lung issues. And, hey, I'm still doing that now. It's kind of not very sexy. You know, when you're going through university, you think about emphysema and um, everyone wants to be the All Blacks physio. But, you know, how the wheel is turned around and now breathing, you know, physiotherapy can deploy their tools that they've always done. But it's just, it's sparkled up in a different way and it can make a real change. So uh, that was Certainly through my college years, I was very interested in physiotherapy. It's the only thing I applied for at university. I was very fortunate to get in because in those days it was very competitive, only uh, 50 people in my class. Um, and yeah, I just, when I came out of physio school, which was four years, I knew I had to learn more and I'm sure I drove my parents mad because I kept asking them for money to do more courses and that just led on. I did a postgrad in sports physiotherapy and then... Um, I went for the New Zealand uh, 7s job, missed out on that, and I thought, right, I'll go overseas. And little did I know, but I probably learnt more in my passage of travel uh, about the human body and health than I'd ever done in those past sort of seven years,
0: mate. Wonderful. And then, um, so so you you come back to New Zealand, obviously, after your travel, and then um, is that when Element Health was sort of born then?
1: Yeah, well, it it, it was because... um, element health is sort of by accident, really. I needed, uh, when I came back from, I was overseas for a long time and I came back, I started up uh, my clinic, which was knee and spinal clinic. And I called it that purely because I saw uh, people were sort of being a bit let down. I saw them having unnecessary surgery um, on the knee and the spine. And I thought, well, if I call my clinic that, knee and spinal clinic, maybe I'll capture those people. And uh, you know, at the very least. But I also thought that I'd actually get other people too with shoulders and whatever else because I do all of that stuff. Um, but then as I started doing my workshops, knee and spinal clinic didn't kind of fit with, with breathing, with anxiety, with uh, depression and the, the other things I was talking about. So that's where I needed to um, have a brand that was all-encompassing and
0: out came Element Health. Nice, and and so you talk about that sort of you know um, you know mental health and breathing, um, and how that sort of fits within your framework as well, and and look and you know maybe obviously for you it is, and and for 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 a number of people, but I would say on the masses that that generally you know um, again as I said before that that mental health and breathing probably don't traditionally fall under a physiotherapist sort of you know at least from from an outside perspective, um, and how's that sort of been incorporated into your practice now, and how do you sort of use it on a on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah, it's in, it's really interesting, Maddie, because you know, western western health, they try and cleave at the joints these things, like say they they try and separate things out. They try and separate out the parts of the whole and label it, give it a diagnosis. And I don't think that's correct. I don't think we should be doing that. We need to look more into the holistic approach. So for example, you'd see someone uh, with with back pain, and you label them as okay they 've got uh, low back pain, or if it was back pain that was going on for a certain amount of time, or oh, that might fall into chronic low back pain. But with these people that are struggling with low back pain, um, they could also have anxiety they you know and it all fits in together. they may also be depressed. Um, you know, could have any number of things going on. They could have IBS. You know, they could have endometriosis. They could have an autoimmune condition. And then you sort of realize that all these things are not separate. They're part of the whole, and it's typically born out of past experiences. So to really tackle the root of this problem and not just put someone... Um, on a medication not just put someone on their tummy and push on the back where it's sore you know to really get to understand why they have arrived in this state of distress and unravel that and then really go to your modalities to help them and have that confidence not be fearful that it's oh it's outside our scope of practice well get educated on that and understand it because it's it's your responsibility to have a knowing and if you don't well at least know some people um, in your area who can help these people fully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the breathing is quite an interesting one. And you you and I just did a fantastic exercise before we jumped on. I'm very appreciative of that, so thank you. And uh, my hands are still tingling. But, um, you know, I'd like to explore that a little bit. And you mentioned something just off air as well, how how you had asthma when you were younger and you managed to get rid of it almost immediately. Um, That was through breath work, I understand? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I... Uh, I've had asthma, I had
1: asthma ever since I was a little one, um, you know, medications, um, steroids. I'm sure that's why I'm so short right now because I've had <laughs> steroids from a young age. Um, <clears throat> Hospitalised, and you know, I just think all the stress I drove my family to around that. Um, and then I, I had someone, um, it was just a one hour talk about breathing. And I went back, I was was in my second year of university and I undertook this practice that she had recommended. And I never had asthma again, mate. I never had asthma again. And that's amazing for a couple of things. It's amazing because, you know, that 20 plus year history of asthma was just eradicated uh, from that one simple, you know, not even guided by anyone um, exercise, but also amazing how how did I not see that for what it was and carry it on and take it to my population of clients? Because I didn't, I, I didn't start doing that in my practice. And maybe that was because I, I was only in year two of physio school and I, maybe I was just exploring. I, I had needed to understand more. And um, it wasn't until um, very later on when I, I sort of came back into breathing, into looking at the breath and the way that can, um, really change people's physiology.
0: Yeah yeah and um you know the, one of the reasons I've you know you and I have our paths have crossed is because of um you know because of the Wim Hof method and um, which is you know heavily focused around uh, breathing obviously the breathing doesn't necessarily look as good on Instagram as the ice baths do so that seems to get more more popularity but um you know I, I guess we could start there of with um you know how that sort of breathing system works or, or maybe you know what is the Wim Hof method and it might be a nice one to, to start with
1: yeah the wim hof method so that is um, so Wim Hof is a Dutchman. He he's held over 26 different kinds of world records, and he came up with this method of breathing. There's three components to it: so a breathing exercise. The second one is cold immersion, gradual exposure to cold, and the third one is purely mindset, really, which is which could be anything from do you have the discipline to actually undertake this practice? It could be as simple as that. Um, so, Wim, he sort of came on my radar uh, around five years ago. Now, I had been into different breathing techniques before that, but they never really stuck with me. But what was captivating about Wim, I was already working with people that had been uh, sort of, that had failed typical treatment approaches, um, people that are really struggling with pain for a long period of time. Um, and But also, you know, just people that weren't suffering with pain for a long period of time, but still this approach could still help them. Um, But nothing was really, you know, it didn't really have the full understanding until I learned about Wim and his method and his role that that it undertook on the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system, which is this, you know, is the automatic response to our environment, to stimulus. It's beyond our control. And then I read this study in 2013. It was by... um, Uh, Cox, and it was looking at injecting Wim with E. coli, and within 15 minutes, he defeated this E. coli, So, um, which was basically saying he could change the unchangeable. He could change or alter his autonomic uh, nervous system. He could change his innate immune response. And that was backed up by the study that was done, a randomized controlled trial with Um, 12 of WIM's trainees, people that WIM had taken with no exposure to the method, trained them for 10 days, uh, put back into the university, injected with E. coli, and they all defeated it and the control group all got sick with this E. coli. And that's what made me think, well, I I know these clients that I'm seeing um, who are struggling, there is that autonomic nervous system component. Hey, now we've got a modality that we can actually influence that. But better yet, we've got a story of this remarkable man that's done remarkable things and, you know, we've got like a talisman that people can look to uh, for some kind of, hey, he's done this and we didn't think that was possible. Now you can do this.
0: Yeah, yeah he's certainly been sort of like a, you know, he's opened the gate, I guess, essentially, into to, to breath work um, and particularly into, into you know, I, I would say medicine but just mainstream culture almost. You know, it's almost become, you know, very um, popular now, especially with the ice baths and and i guess that's that 's my my next question probably is is um you know we, we see a we see a lot of people doing ice baths you know a lot of athletes um for you know immediately after an, an event or you know a hit out um but uh, I'm curious to understand what is actually going on with the ice bath like, what's the methodology behind it? We all know what it is, but what's it actually doing, and why is it beneficial
1: yeah and and that's the thing you know we've seen ice baths. I remember when I was with the black sticks some years ago um I'd put the guys in in a you know t- a rubbish bin of iced water um, up to their thighs because they're the muscles that they had used and needed it the most and would do a ratio of, I can't remember, was it one to two hot to cold, you know, hot colds and... Yeah, but we've subsequently found that stuff doesn't really work very well. And certainly the way that I use the cold is nothing to do with recovery. It's nothing to do with post-match uh, recovery. And we're, we've actually seen in the research that um, ice baths for recovery doesn't actually do much. And it, it is probably not uh, anything more than being comparable with, say, some other forms of recovery that are less um, less traumatic, I guess. Mm. So the way I use the cold... It's on that premise of we're looking to affect the autonomic nervous system. How can we train the body to be more tolerant of stress? And it's not an after the sport thing. It's, a, it's It should be a ritual that is undertaken as part of a training. And... It makes our body more resilient to stress. Um, if you think of our sympathetic nervous system, which is our flight, fight, and freeze nervous system, you know that's what we don't want to be in if we want to perform, either as an athlete or as a father, mother, brother, whatever. We don't want to be in that stress state. It's beyond our control. Things get nasty. It, it's quite. There are some consequences for our body when we're in that state. It's wonderful when we when we need it. Say so when we're under pressure uh, of a threat to life or limb, but. But not day to day stuff. So, if that threshold is too low, which is born about through exposure to either uh, gradual exposure to stress or maybe one traumatic incident, then we'll be peaking off in that sympathetic nervous system way too often. So, how do we increase the threshold for that? Well, we expose ourselves uh, gradually and with training and guidance, um, expose ourselves to a controlled stress state. So the ice is a wonderful tool for that. Um, And then that stress system does not come on so easily, you know, because the threshold rises up and now no longer does it peak off when, Someone doesn't indicate at the roundabout. Um, it, we become much more resilient. So it's really training our nervous system. It's training our response to situations, and it's bringing control back into those moments, which would typically take us out of control.
0: Yeah. So if, am I right in assuming that our brain, or maybe our body, our nervous system can't really differentiate the the difference between um, you know stress as a um, you know a, a lion standing in front of you or um, I don't know you being yelled at or being late for work or someone failing to indicate or something the body's responding very similar to the same sort of thing, is that correct?
1: Yeah, you've got it Matty and that's that system was really designed to preserve life but what's happening with this, this basic, I call it the western corruption, this western world, man it is, it is not like how we were made to, to live, you know there is um, corruption on every corner, there's um, this necessity we need to work harder, that gets celebrated you know we got to work harder we've got to be stronger um, we get notifications on our phone all the time now we we get marketed to with such precision you know we are so targeted um, by people who want our money <laughs> then there's also the financial construct of enormous debt you know I just I don't know how people are buying these houses now and I don't think they know because when are they actually going to pay back this money probably never is the answer these these mortgages it's so easy to get money thrown at you, um, but that with that comes responsibility. So what happens if things don't quite go so well? Well, then pressures come on. Um, there's pressures too in the Western culture coming from who we have to be, who we have to live up to. Um, you know, I think about the, if you think about the Eastern traditions, you know, the Tibetan monks, for example, um, people that probably haven't had too much in terms of stress, like we see in the West, not this continual exposure to social media or to having to live up to things, or the typical um, work relationships where we 're constantly wanting more and more and more having to be things. well, what do they do man they They meditate so many hours in a day. They do breath work. They do um, gradual exposure to discomfort. And you'll see this in many cultures. There's a rite of passage when a child gets to a certain age. There's a great respect for their elders, which I think is very, very, um, there's a massive void of that in the Western culture, man. We just bundle them off into these rest homes and away they go. Um, Whereas we can learn so much from them. So basically I think this, the Western environment is causing this, altered state of that sympathetic nervous system to come on way too often. Um, you know, I could go on about all the corruptors. Food is another one, man. The amount of processed foods, the ease at which we get food now, which was never the case in our um, with our tribal cousins. You know, we actually have to really nurture... Um, The food, we have to appreciate where it's come from and we have to take so much care. Whereas now, man, we just tap a few buttons on the phone, along it comes in a Toyota Prius and a brown bag and uh, we sit in front of TV. You know, we lost this social connection with um, eating food and the social appreciation of that food and those around us. And then we eat it in front of something like Game of Thrones, which is such a bloodthirsty TV show, and we're not made to see that gore, the amount of graphic violence, you know. So, man, there's so many uh, layers to how we're being corrupted. And the interesting thing too, Maddie, what are we doing to try and feel good? We're doing, uh, you know, we're gravitating towards... High intensity, catabolic things like uh, exercise, the notion that we need to do more to get more, so for example, um, you know there's someone I know who he hasn't he wanted to get fit, so what does he do? okay, right I've signed up for the Hawkes Bay Marathon. It's like, well, you know is that really the right thing we should be doing, putting ourselves through that extreme state of stress there's this notion we've got to put ourselves through hurt. To make it good, we got to sweat to make it good. Whereas, really, I think in essence, Maddie, we need to be still to make it good, and that's what we're missing in our in our environment.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many um, so many interesting things there. I mean, I guess you know, kind of what you're saying is that you know our evolutionary our bodies have you know evolved very very slowly um, but our environment and the the way that we're living has changed so dramatically even in the last 10 20 30 years you know, you go back a hundred years what it looked like in 1920 to what it is today and our bodies um, and our, our nervous system obviously hasn't evolved to be able to keep up with it um, as well it is so so you know that's where the ice water fits in. It's literally about controlling that threshold and being able to, you know, stop our our, our, our body from switching into that flight or fight mode at the at the you know whilst we're driving to work or when we walk into work. Is that sort of the case? Yeah,
1: there's that. There are some other elements too. Of course, there's um, inflammation, which is basically behind every cause of uh, disease or uh, mental health state around. Um, so inflammation, so when you do this ice, uh, you actually stimulate your white blood cells, which stave off inflammation, and they stay raised for over six days. So we're actually doing things to promote um, you know, decreased inflammation in our body. And then there's also something called cold shock proteins, which get activated in the cold. Um, things like these these pro- uh, proteins, which sort of um without this gradual exposure to stress, there's actually heat shock proteins as well um that they sort of fold up and then and then they bundle together and that forms these blockages and that can affect our cognitive function and go further and affect um you know so much that we get these diseases, okay which when you go into the cold or the heat you know I'm a big fan of the heat as well um these Proteins start to unfold, and they come back to their normal state, and they unbuckle from each other. So, you know, there's so many studies looking at longevity around um, uh, gradual exposure to discomfort. It's amazing. On the front page of the Herald today was this article about how um, the stress through these COVID times means there will be more heart attacks, and it's all this you know talking about how the risk of cardiovascular death will go up. That and But I saw nothing on there talking about a wonderful study done which showed that if you sauna for four times in a week, your risk of um, cardiovascular disease uh, uh, death through the cardiovascular incident goes down 50%. You know, where's the good stories, man? Give us some tools. Don't just tell us the gloom. Tell us what what we can do. And uh, I just see a massive movement towards being too scared to talk about that. But we're all happy to talk about, shit, we're going to get this uh, you know, increase uh, run of heart attacks, more people will die. It's all this doom and gloom, man, and fear. So scary news sells
0: newspapers though, eh? That's it, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Yeah, it is, um, it is concerning. And, you know, probably more so the fact that, um, you know, we talked about that contrast of, you know, our bodies evolving, you know, in an evolutionary period versus the environment we're operating in. I, I don't see our environment changing any time mm. in the next couple of years. In fact, I see it, continuing on that sort of almost an exponential trajectory of our you know things that we're not used to you know now you yep yeah, there's food gets delivered to your door but what's going to be happening in in 10 years you know like Exactly right, man, and we've both got young kids you know, and you think
1: well, how what they'll what they'll grow up in who knows you know and so h- how do we mitigate this um in in a broader sense is it's called progress I guess how, how do we mitigate this well, I think we really need to take some radical ownership on our own health because y- you can be damn sure that others won't do it you know we've just had this uh, this, this COVID period here where we've had the prime minister and, and, and the health person on the TV every day. Uh, not once was there any kind of um, talk about how to boost our immune system. Never. Uh, to me, that's a travesty. Am I going to go protest? No, but I take on my own responsibility to look after myself. Not once was there any notion that we could actually protect ourselves other than staying away from people, you know, um, and using harmful words and harmful language like this social distancing, you know, isolation, um, you know, social distancing. In reality, man, it should be called physical distancing because that's what it is. Call it what it is. But social distancing, do we really need to, you know, socially not be together now? No, we don't need to do that. So I think they're there could have been so many, it was a real opportunity to open up uh, people's eyes to the fact that they had power over their immune system, but it didn't happen. Um, so what do we do? We've got to take it on ourselves and have the real understanding that no one is going to do it for us. Certainly um, the, the medical field, like no one's going to come looking for you, telling you what to do. So you've got to take it on and be curious and look out and explore and then um you know, just start to undertake some of these things that you've read about. Radical ownership. Radical. That's it. Yeah. yeah, radical ownership. And that's something that um, I've spoken a lot with my good friend, Jimmy Hunt, mental health change maker. You know, how's that for a job title? So Jimmy's a good friend. We're, I love our chats. And um, that's something that, you know, we've spoken about it a lot. He's a real big, um, you know, proponent of this. You know, and another thing which he talks about is that, Our situation, where we're at, whether that be pain, mental health challenges or whatever, um, a lot of that uh, will not be our fault. Absolutely 100% not our fault in some cases. But he said how you come out of that is 100% your responsibility. So that's where people need to wake up and not be sort of waiting for the solution to arrive to them. They need to go out and do some things. Heck, maybe the first three or four things you do will not be the right things, but you got to keep going. And it comes back to a little bit, Matty, how did I get into this? Um, So I injured my back when I was quite young and, you know, I went through and um, I, I guess out of all struggle comes these, you know, comes good things. So I had 12 years of really bad back pain. I saw 14 different physios, osteos, chiros, and they all did the same stuff. And it wasn't the right stuff. It was not even close. It was even harmful because of the words they were using, telling me about things like my core was weak or I needed to, you know, they were blaming me for my pain, you know. And um, you know, and, and they weren't bad people. They, they weren't malicious. It's just they didn't have the right tools at that stage. I ended up having back surgery. Um, so but a year later I was still in pain. And um eventually I found my way through and it was it was totally different to any kind of physiotherapeutic modality that we'd been taught you know and all that physios were doing and it it just came back to you know essentially I think the biggest problem we see here in the western world is we're sitting on these chairs you and I are on one now and we just it, we We don't have the flexibility or mobility to sit in the positions that the tribal people are sitting in, and then in these six sort of functional sitting positions I've come up with by observing these cultures. I went and had a month with the nomads in Mongolia, I went all through Southeast Asia, had a month in Syria, Lebanon, um, you know North Africa, all these places they're all sitting differently to the west. And you just observe that. So, wow, I could never do that. But actually, that gets trained out of us at a young age through car seats, through high chairs, through um, you know these baby bouncers and push chairs, all this stuff. We put kids out of their natural movement patterns. We stick them in these devices that uh, sort of cause them to sit in a Western kind of style. And that causes um, hip mobility and then it breaks down the pattern and causes. You know, loading where it shouldn't happen, so in my case, in the spine, um I had three prolapse discs in my back, one of them was operated on. I still have these two prolapses that bear no relevance to my situation because I'm free we're free from pain, mobile, happy, um, yeah, so that I guess out of that journey and there's that's a lot more to that journey um has come this real devotion to try and help other people see there's a different
0: way. Yeah, well, you're certainly on a, you know, fighting a good fight and I commend you on everything you're doing. And we'll go over it, you know, a bit more. Happy we can find out about you sooner. But, um, you know, I just want to, you know, I, you know, dwell on that, that that radical responsibility because I think that's such a good point. It doesn't really matter what it is, and and particularly with your own health, you know, it's um at the moment we don't suffer from a lack of information. You know, it's not like anyone out there doesn't have the tools. You know, especially if they listen to this podcast to find out ways they could be improving their current situation in any area, whether it's their their health or finances or anything, you know, and I think that the ability to take ownership of your current situation and how you you talked about Jimmy and saying that, um, you know, it might not be your fault, but it's certainly your responsibility to, um, you know, to deal with it and to sort it out and to come out the other side is a um, is a very powerful um, way to look at it. Um, you said something, you know, we, we talked about, you know, our children and I, um, I think I told you um You know, one of the things that I, you know, when I came across Wim Hof was he said something really interesting and he said, in 1969, we managed to put a man on the moon. You know, and he said, if you just think about what was involved in that process, you know, the the the, the amount of work hours, the collaboration, the thought, the you know, international sort of, um, you know, again, the collaboration of different nations all coming together to, in order to, to to achieve this amazing task, you know, literally to put a human being on something we can only see in the sky. Um, and he said, look, and here we are, fifty years later, and we still don't have the ability to guarantee that our, our children will be happy, healthy, or strong. And for some reason, that just stuck with me, and I thought, "Isn't that? It's what a paradox, you know? Like it's a, it's a, I don't know the answer." Like, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Because you know, you'd think we're we're so, and I think there is a lot of arrogance in this Western culture, thinking we're so far ahead of, of uh, you know, some of the other countries that have less, but. Maybe less is better sometimes and this constant striving to do more and to to reach that moon, you know, uh, we're sort of forgetting that there's there's some other things we need to broach first. And the way that it's done is that we celebrate those successes so much, but the little things, you know, implementation of small programs and um, maybe don't get celebrated as as much. And maybe we need to turn back and think about um, how we're doing that. Because I see these old cultures, they know the way. Like you look at the Chinese culture, they do Tai Chi, you know, um, a beautiful movement practice. Whereas we go and swing kettlebells, you know, we think that's better. There's, where's the local Tai Chi place? You know, there's F45s all over the shop. Where's the Tai Chi joint? You know, where's the Tai Chi F, you know, the the, the TC60? Let's call it that, eh? Let's start that up, man. Um, so I, I think we are trying to create a lot in the West Whereas really it's all been done And you look at um, look at those those older cultures That have been around far longer than sort of the Western civilization They've all got a component of breath work They've all got a component, a component of movement practice um, And they all have a component of gradual exposure to discomfort So say the um, uh, sweat lodges There's always a, a rite of passage as well for generally around that puberty time, um, what do we do? You know, heck, I don't know. We give some sex education, you know, (laughs) tell us the birds and the bees. But is there a real rite of passage? It's more like, you know, I saw a great picture. I've got to post it up one day of a playground in the 1950s. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's like three stories high (laughs) and there's just these ladders and uh, concrete on the ground. And now, man, what do we see? So I think... Um, are we really making progress? We need to look back to go forward. I think a little bit more,
0: man. Yeah, I like the idea that you know. It's certainly, we're certainly the way things are going. We're certainly moving to this idea of trying to avoid discomfort at all costs. You know, like, and I think um, you know. One, I mean, I, I came across Wim Hof about three years ago, and and it was a very sort of quick sort of idea and it was at a Tony Robbins event and he was sort of promoting it and I sort of thought, oh, well, that seems quite good and, you know, have a cold shower tomorrow. So I did that and then, you know, it's kept going and it's, you know, it's been about three years now. It was not until I did your course probably about, you know, four or five months ago that I actually understood what it was doing. And I guess for me, the the reason was probably because of that, um, you know, the, I guess the discomfort. I kind of like the idea that it sucked, you know, and like it sucks for a little bit, but, you know, you can get through it. And for me, a workout's kind of in a similar frame of mind for me, it's like, I never wake up thinking like, gosh, I I really am looking forward to working out. It's hard. The same thing with the cold shower though, you know, it's like, I never look forward to it, but you know, it seems, you know, for me, it kind of, it's to be able to do something that's just uncomfortable and I don't like doing, but you get through it and you come out the other side and you feel, obviously there's physiological benefits, but mentally for me, I guess it just feels like I've done something and I've, I've come through something and I guess it's like, well, you know, if I can get through this every day it's like you know there's probably some other things that are going to come across my radar today that i can probably get through and um i don't know whether that's right or not but certainly for me it's it's um you know that's been the the main driver for me rather than any of the other benefits
1: yeah that's great man and you're right if you know, if something is hard, we probably need it. You know, and that's where we're so in tune with that physical exercise. You know, the, this uh, this notion of introspection. So, what are we actually feeling from within? And when we go to the gym and we do a workout, you know, and, you know, and working out. You know, I've spoken a little bit about working out you know i 'm not i 'm not against working out i 'm just sort of saying we probably need some balance in our lives I think logan dodd 's good friend of mine he 's got the balance right man he 's got a chest freezer um, at his house he 's got a sauna that I was in there the other week and where we it was sitting in there at like eighty five degrees Celsius you know and then in there for twenty two minutes and then into the ice but he goes he goes in there uh, to the gym every morning makes sure he does his workout he fills his cut back up so what i 'm coming back to is this notion that this introspection, which is sort of being taken away from us. This is the ability to feel into oneself. Uh, what are we feeling? Hunger is sort of one of the real easy ways to uh, to acknowledge, you know, oh, we're feeling hungry. Okay, we can acknowledge that. It's sort of been taken away from us because of all these Fitbits and, you know, smart watches. We've got to look at a watch now to see how we've slept and how are we feeling. Oh, I better look at my watch, you know. But with working out, with lifting weights, you get that immediate gratification that immediate uh, introspection happens because you feel it you can feel it you acknowledge it you understand it um sitting in stillness that's the hardest thing you know how how can we do that um you know going into a cold shower thinking all of what we're told about the cold. The cold is generally feared. You know, our mums tell us to put on clothes. Oh, you'll catch a cold. Oh, don't go outside. It's cold. Oh, it's too cold. And then we get marketed to around warmth and comfort. And we associate that with health, with safety. And in reality, it's doing the opposite. It's making us live in this very narrow band of conditioning. And that means we cannot take the ebbs and flows of life as freely as what we might be able to, should we step outside our comfort zone and we expose ourselves to some uh, cold or some heat or some barefoot walking or some stillness. Stillness is another form of discomfort. You know, and you think about someone with depression. Well, what helps depression? Well, exercise, physical exercise. You try going up to someone with depression and saying, hey, man, get off the couch. You know, exercise is great for you. You know, that's not, it's not going to work like that. So I think... um what you're feeling there with the cold, you're beginning to probably you know, Wim says feeling is understanding. So you're probably probably understanding it through feeling. It's giving you this introspection, maybe, man.
0: Yeah, I think um introspection is a you know, a great term. I think that, um, you know, Gilbert who we were talking about before, Gilbert Noka, always says that um self awareness is the master skill. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure out what's going on, um with yourself and where you're at is um is, is certainly the um yeah. Again, I agree. The master skill. Um, so what's what's the answer in your mind? You know, like I know we're sort of. I don't want to sit here and just we just talk about problems all day. You know, there's certainly some 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 adversity that we're facing. It has been applied to us at a very slow sort of rate, so we're not sort of seeing it. And and that adversity also comes with um, you know uh, instant gratification. Often, you know, you can press a button, the food's here or whatever it is. Um, you know, you've you've talked about these things that are going on in our world and how we're not, you know, haven't evolved quick enough to be able to deal with it, you know, physically or mentally. Um, what are some of the ways that that we that we can deal with it or face it or get better or improve? Or, and you know, what's the answer? I guess.
1: Yeah, I think on the on the real base level is understanding that this is not a six week fix. It's not a six week challenge. Um, this understanding that um, health is generally promoted to us through. Um, very highly targeted marketing uh, is that true health so i think we must seek out and see what are some high achievers doing you know tim ferriss what did he do he interviewed um in his book there about uh, you know some of these the top performers he actually interviewed tony uh, Tools tony titans he yeah, tells the titans yeah. that's it mate so he interviewed you know these typically what would be seen in our you know, terms as success, really successful people, people that had done remarkable things and were achieving great things. And he asked them sort of what you've just asked me. What was the number one thing that was um, constant over all of them? Meditation. So, you know, if they're all doing it and they're all doing great things, maybe we should look into that a little bit. Um, So it's about Looking in and seeing what is in your toolbox, make sure it's not the things that uh, just feel good. You know, uh, step outside, try something new. And it could be like I was just talking to a good friend of mine today. He's just uh, broken his leg. Um, He was about to embark on some amazing activities, but that's now been stopped because of this, um, what's cropped up, you know, this leg fracture. So we spoke about what can he do now. Injury is an opportunity. So we spoke about, things you can start doing, you know, meditation was the first thing, you know, I love breath work, I love the ice, but I think an easy way people can start to sit with themselves is meditation, and there's a great app, um, Sam Harris has got a great app called Waking Up, and I, I really enjoyed that, I've done numerous amounts of meditation over the years, I've been exposed to so many great people, but that is one that really resonated with me, but it took me probably five years to actually start that meditation practice, Maddie. so, Don't throw it out if even this one isn't the right one for you. Keep seeking. You know, same with yoga. How many different forms of yoga are there? Man, there's so many. Um, So I think knowing that um, we don't have to get it right straight away, undertaking uh, just something and stay with it and stick with it. And if it doesn't, if it's too hard, Why is it hard? Is it because we just don't like it? We don't enjoy it? Or maybe we need it. So being open to these things that we never thought would go in for, you know. Um, So I think that's part of it. And like when we think about modalities for health, we think about um, breathing as another one. You know, I teach so many different forms of breathing. Maybe just choose one. There's so many great resources out there. As you say, there's so much information. That's sometimes a problem. So narrow down. Choose one thing, do it well, do it for a period of time, not expecting a great result within, say, six weeks. Are we really going to commit to something? Because really, it's a lifelong journey, man. Because we've got to keep mitigating the effects of this Western environment. Hey, I love living here, man. Uh, You know, I'm not going to go live in Mongolia. I I do love living in this Western environment. It's great. It's great. But I've got to make sure I'm using these tools to fill my cup up because it does get eroded if you live in this kind of environment and you don't do that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, you you know in Tools of Titans he talked about everyone, you know, there's sort of being some real synergies with meditation and, and obviously um you know that'd be a good place to start for 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 anyone that sort of you know doesn't know where to start. I think again, you yeah, pretty much talk to anyone. Um I'm listening to the a podcast at the moment with the uh the CEO and founder of Spotify. He talked about exactly the same thing about you know meditation, and how it's really helped in. Um have you read uh, Ryan Holiday's book Stillness is the key? Oh, I've read. Did he write the something? Is the way obstacle is the way. Obstacle is the way. Yeah, Yeah. I've read that.
1: That was years ago. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. and and, yeah, obstacle is the way. uh, Stillness is the key. And the other one, he's got one more. uh, uh, Ego is the enemy. Uh-huh. A Very sort of stoic approach, but one of the things he talks about in um, in stillness is the key is that you know, particularly with you know, he uses sports people for example, and you know, there's there's always been you know, from the outside looking in, you always think like, especially when you're playing a physical pursuit, there's all this, um, you know, it's it's to to be to be moving and fast and quick and thinking and alive and 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 strong and fit, and he said, but what if you talk to any you know. You know, and I know you do a lot of work with, with 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 sports people. Is what they're all actually craving is, is stillness. You know, in their moment of 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 performance when it's required, all this hype that they've trained for, and they do all this physical work, and 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 the most important thing they're actually after at that single point of time is just absolute calmness so they can focus on what they're doing.
1: Fascinating, man. And and that's the thing they should be training in the gym the most, Maddie, because anyone can put on a bicep, eh? But, um, you know, how do we create that? Man, that's the real work. And I think certainly I see in the professional sport that I deal with, it, it is massively swayed. It is seesawed. There's a big fat kid on the end of one seesaw, and that's sort of typical strength and conditioning and um, he's not letting the other guy get near the ground. You know, it is massively overbalanced because I think we need to be comfortable with that being still. And that is something that people work with for their whole career and then after their career. Because when their career finishes, which often isn't their choice, man, what are they? You know, what are they really? Are they, you know, a great athlete? Or shit, I'm not that now. What am I? And I, I tell you, You've got to have some tools to help you after that. So that's interesting that he says that. I've got to, I've got to check that out, man. Um, because he's very much along the lines of that Stoic. He's sort of bringing Stoicism, um, into a more digestible format, right? Is it? That, yeah. Yeah. He's absolutely. Doing?
0: He's sort of, um, he's a, he's a very clever, um, marketing guy. And that's where he sort of started, but, um, yeah, came across, got very successful very quickly, successful in a, in a Western, um, you know, certainly in a Western, um, you know, measurement, but then, um, yeah, then got into stoicism and has written a few books. And, mm. um, yeah, it was, um, uh, it was interesting talking about that. And I remember, um, you know, when we did your course, one of the things you said was, um, you know, one of the teams you were working with was saying, look, you know, we're going to add in a, you know, a, a mindfulness session or maybe it was a meditation practice, you know, to our, to our week. And, um, you know, the coach said, all right, we're, we're going to make that optional, you know. And your response I loved was, you know, would you make, strength and conditional, optional for an athlete. You know, it's, it's certainly in your mind, it seems that they're on par with with importance for performance. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, it's very easy to go to the gym. We we understand that paradigm. We can feel it and uh, it makes sense to us and it makes us feel good because we're lifting some weights. We're doing it there with some mates and we're putting a few wheels on the end of the bar and we're, we're doing that. But... Is that really what we should be doing at Like, in, in the maximum sense? No, we should be going into those things that make us uncomfortable. You know, We should be looking into breath work. And if you don't like it, you probably need it. If it makes you feel as if you don't want to be there and agitated, you probably need it even more. So you know, giving someone an opt-out, especially uh, an elite athlete, an opt-out of something like meditation, you're not going to get very far
0: because those people that opt out will be the people that need it the most. Yeah. It's always the way, isn't it? Well, it's that, you know, again, the obstacle is the way. The pressure makes a diamond and it's the the things that you um you know, trying to avoid the most are generally the things that'll, you know, progress you the fastest as well. Yeah, and in
1: the heat of the moment, those bicep curls won't 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 help you. It won't help you, man. Yeah. But if you work on the other stuff and you also see like with you know, there's always this notion that we have to run harder, be the fittest, be the strongest, but actually the other people that get um, more unwell, so more sickness, so the, the catabolic effects from um, heavy training is a, a, a faulty immune system. It makes our immune system go under a great deal of pressure, high inflammation. Now, high inflammation leads to not only sicknesses and colds and whatever else, um, but it also leads to depression, mate, and that's what we haven't People don't really shine a light on this that you know, 40% of people with depression, it, the cause of it is inflammation. So now we're taking these elite athletes and we're putting them through the rinser, um, you know, um, physically, but we're not really giving them enough tools, um, like meditation, breath work, slow movement practice, say, yin yoga, um, tai chi, um. I'm not really giving them enough to make arm themselves against this exact thing that's happening from the other training, you know, and it is sort of it's getting better, but I sort of set the bar high mate, so uh, um, you know, I know some some teams haven't uh, put meditation in there, you know I know teams are looking at this and they're trying to understand i I think it's um, just a lack of knowledge like they just don't know at the moment rather than they're actively not putting it into the program like this the coach you were talking about he was really trying to help his players but he just needed someone to to step him through what should happen and also when you come back to you know how do we solve this problem like say for meditation which is easy to say okay go and do meditation but i think where people fall down is they need a structured program with accountability with a real step by step process to take their hand through that, and that 's why I recommend that sam harris app, uh, Sam Harris app because that is exactly that and you can dive into um, you know he has he 's got essays around why it works, how it works, some really deep explorations there if you choose, or you just do the set exercises. Um so I think that's where people fall down. People it's kind of like mental health awareness, you know, we we're aware that this mental health stuff is going on, but what do we do? You know, and with um meditation, hey, we yeah, well we know that meditation is going to be great. It's kind of like, hey, go exercise, that's helpful, but what do we do? What's our pattern? What's our program? Take my hand, I need some help here. And that's where I think people should look to um say what people are recommending out there, which apps are going great. Um you know which programs which what's worked for other people so yeah things like yeah.
0: that yeah yeah I, I like the idea of um you know of meditation helping you control your focus because you know that's essentially what you're trying to do is just you know be you know intentional about what you're focusing on and when you think about you know a whether it's an athlete or anyone anyone wanting to do anything your ability to perform the task in front of you is entirely related to your ability to control your focus on that task, like, okay? and it's that, that, that when someone put it that simply to me, I don't know who it was, but it makes so much sense. It's like, every, that, you know, your ability to do your job, whether it's a around a boardroom table or on a on a field, is is completely at your, you know, the whim of you to control your ability to focus on that, yeah. and meditation seems like the best tool to be able to increase that muscle in my mind, anyway.
1: It's certainly a big a big because. Um, Let's think about what can corrupt your ability to perform that task. And if you're sympathetically driven, so that's if your flight, fight and freeze system is on, there's a whole lot of physiological reasons why performing your task will not be possible. One of those is a, you're running on adrenaline Adrenaline is your fuel source used it's a it's a very powerful fuel source but its accuracy is really poor so if you think if you're a goal kicker if you if you throw in at the line out and you're running on adrenaline now then good luck trying to get that you know good good luck trying to thread that needle because it's not going to happen um other things like Even just, so a lot of the people I work with, it's interesting, Maddie, like, so I don't do meditation with people, but I take them through, because sometimes that can be too much of a discomfort. I take them through different breathing protocols that are really specific to their individual makeup and what I find in their individual assessment and a great way that we can bring back some control is through different breathing protocols and there's innumerable number of breathing protocols, but it works best when it's targeted to the individual. But um, what I was going to say there is because one of them is just simply the act of closing your mouth and getting used to breathing through your nose, because when you breathe through your mouth, you use 46% more water. So you're, you're blowing off your hydration. So let's say it does come down to that crunch moment you're going to be more dehydrated than the other guy. So 46%, that's a huge amount, man. So if you can get comfortable with, say, something, another controlled discomfort is nasal breathing during working out. So there's no need to just try to do it on the field when you're in the moment. You have to have trained that. And that's kind of like how all of these controlled discomforts work. Sauna, heat, slow movement patterns, being still, you know,
0: all that stuff. So I, th- I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, it's... um. Oh, it certainly, is so interesting, and it's all you know. It seems to be you know maybe is it just me? Is, is is that sort of becoming to become you know starting to become more popular now? That sort of idea of 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 mental work. Uh, I had Tim Bateman on the podcast, and I know you know Tim, and and he um, he said something fantastic. And he said um, he said what what I figured out was that um, you know athletes don't get fitter, stronger, faster, or more skilled week by week. He said, but the performance can vary so much within seven days. And he said it's all comes down to you know their their, their mental state um, and and certainly in sport it seems to be very relevant now you know now mental skills coaches are, are as you know as prevalent as a, as a head coaches in, in most sort of professional environments but um You know, we're not really seeing that, you know, there's no, maybe they're called psychologists, I don't know, but, you know, a mental skills coach that someone can go to 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 learn some stuff about how to perform better, you know, rather than just dealing with, you know, being... Depressed or anxious or something like
1: that. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. So you mean just in the general sense, so outside of those sporting environments? Is yeah. Well, it, it
0: seems it seems very relevant in sport. Yeah. You totally. know, like it's it seems that you know, like uh, that sports teams have have paid professionals researching and working hard to provide their athletes with the mental tools and tactics to increase their performance. But it doesn't seem very mainstream outside like that. You know, like if, if, if you know uh, you know obviously your work is kind of what. It's aligned with and you know coming to one of your courses and classes is, is a great way to do it but it doesn't seem like there's maybe maybe there's not any demand for it in the in the in the in the public world i don't know but um you know. yeah and it's knowing that it's there too mate like you, you you know you look at the um
1: in america everyone knows about counseling everyone knows about therapy and um, it's because the paradigm is that way the the notion that we can seek help through Therapy or counselling is is quite well understood over there, but I think here that notion is trying to get better. You know, with the help of great um, agencies like Movember, trying to break down the stigma of um, you know men's mental health and men's health in general. You know, and how do we actually let people know? Yeah, there are things out there. It is all right to talk and um, show this vulnerability and to reach out. And here are some things that you can do. So I think it's more about the knowledge that. Um, Because certainly when I go into teams and uh, certainly with individuals, this stuff, you know, sometimes I've just never heard the likes of it before and they're really surprised. So I think it is about just chipping away and getting the word out there that um, there are real tools that can help people with better performance, whether that be on the field or whether that be just struggling with three kids and, you know, trying to tie down a part-time job as well, you know. So I think it's more about... I don't think people are aware that these things are out there. And why? Well, because I think that targeted marketing that I spoke about earlier, they're giving solutions that are so far removed because it's hard to sell this. How do you scale it? How do you package it up? But the other stuff is easy to sell, you know. Yeah. So um, oh, well this
0: is the answer, man, what we what we're we doing now, you know, sharing your your information. You're very knowledgeable and you have an incredible amount of experience and you know, the more people that can that can hear your messages the better, I think. Um what is your sort of what's what's your goal in all this? You know, like if we take a step back, we've delved very deep into sort of, you know, some of the, the more specific sort of health things that are happening and maybe some some answers that people can can follow up with as well. But, you know, if we back to you, what's what's your sort of purpose in this?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, Maddie. That's because um, I, I don't really have one. I just, I love the work. I really love it, man. Like, uh, so I've been a physio over 20 years um, and I've known a lot of people sort of get out of physiotherapy for a variety of different reasons, but I genuinely love the work. And I think that's that's because I'm ever-evolving, and, and man, I'm more curious than ever. I'm doing stuff this month that I didn't do last month. I'm doing stuff this year that I never knew about last year. So I think um, just this total desire to keep learning, understanding, and trying to remain open um, and knowing that there's way more information out there that I need to dissect and use and explore. So um I just really love that journey, love that ride. Sometimes it gets me in trouble because uh then my you know I go off in different paths and it doesn't really serve my my main sort of mission. And which really is my family, man. Like, um, so it takes me away from my family sometimes or I I'm away for a weekend and it's, you know, was it really worth it to go away and miss my kids for those three days if it only yielded this, you know? So um I think that is something I need to work on. And maybe you can throw me some advice there one day about um how to look to really narrow my focus. I need to get a bit more laser focused because I am sort of trying to be everything to everyone. I'm getting better, but um but my my main goal is just I love sharing these things because they are so profound for people, you know, and you know, there's remarkable things that happen in the clinic and these remarkable stories. I I'm not sure if you follow um Christina Webb, um wonderful young woman who's just done so much, you know, she got uh Quite famous at the age of sixteen, you know, and a fantastic artist her her art is just amazing, you know world famous millions of followers, and then she just hit this massive anxiety um sort of crash really, and it really affected her health um I started working with her. Um, 18 months, two years ago, and she's just taken everything on and she's got a lovely video series saying why she left social media for two years at the peak of her fame and what has helped her come through it. And now she's totally altered her, the, the sort of social media presence now to be um, more about what has worked for her and how can we help. So I think that's a beautiful story. We've got Anna Wilcox who was struggling with chronic pain for years, spending thousands of dollars on all this shit that didn't work, and then um, just undertakes some simple tools, and then she comes through the other side of that. And um, so, you know, that really lights my fire. That does because I know Christine has got such a presence. She can influence so many more um, women and men out there. Um, uh, Anna's story as well, she can influence so many. But also just the fantastic stories I get in the clinic. Um, So that really spurns me on, you know, and like I can't help everyone. I don't want to think as if this is some kind of clinic where you come and everyone gets better. It's um, the thing is, i I try and make i try and celebrate the people it 's their role to get themselves out of pain i 'm just purely a guide, sitting them on a path, and sometimes they won't undertake the prescription that i've given them and they might not get success um It might not be their time yet you know it 's not their fault some um, you know I understand the pressures of the life and typically people do have to be ready to take on these tools um and also there is that element of brainwashing from being told by really influential people, you know, very highly regarded people in the medical world that they're broken. So it's a tough one to try and work through that with someone sometimes. Um, But I really love the challenge, mate. I, I really do thoroughly enjoy the work.
0: I well, you're certainly fighting a fighting the good fight, and you know you listed a few of those sort of significant um, you know achievements you've you've had, and you've mentioned your family, and um, you know a couple of particular sort of you know I guess the clients or people you've helped. Is there something that that you look back on that, that 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 you're really proud of? You know, like if you, it's a bit of a bit of a big question, but you know you've got all these different things. Is there, is there anything particular that stands out for you that you know you're really proud of?
1: Oh, man, like I'm, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm really, I think the main thing I'm really proud of is being up against that um, debilitating, crippling back pain and, not giving up, keeping, keeping on the fight to try and find a solution for that. Um, you know, seeking out new ways, spending a lot of money on trying to find out the solution. And, you know, people sometimes, you know, whinge about paying for different things, you know, in terms of their health. And I think you've just got to keep on. And if it doesn't work, hey, well, at least you've ticked that off. You got to keep going. So that's what I'm really proud about. That sort of tenacity, that tenacity to fight through, um Yeah, that situation Radical Um, responsibility, that's what that was That's it brother, yeah Yeah. And I didn't even know it back then Yeah, but you you know, I've got um, a wonderful supportive family And my parents, you know, heck, they're proud of every little single thing I do So um, I sort of, it's kind of nice that I sort of live off their sort of The joy in their eyes whenever I uh, do something that makes them proud Which is pretty much everything because they're so so loving,
0: eh? But um, yeah, I think that's the main thing, man Nice, that's really cool to hear. Um, just as we finish up now, you, I ask this to everyone, but I really like the question: um, What do you wish everyone knew? You know, like if you've got a really unique insight into into well being and to performance, um, you've certainly you know you know you, you've had a really interesting career where it's evolved and you've worked really hard to to make that evolve, um, and the problems you're dealing with have evolved as well. But you know, if you could, um, you know, if you could put a billboard up, the whole world was going to see, or if you know the whole world is listening to you right now and you could share, you know, one bit of information, what would it be?
1: I think it's the notion that um you're capable of so much more. I think that's the big thing, you know, because um sometimes people they get into these situations and hopelessness arrives, frustration arrives. Um but we are capable of so much more and I think people need to understand that so they can really believe in themselves. And that's that would be the big thing
0: for me. Yeah. Yeah totally I couldn't agree more. Hey um look if, if people were listening and they just really resonated with what you've said or the, the things we've talked about and they you know want to come along to a course they want to find out more about you maybe they want to come to your clinic I know you're you're based in Tauranga um but how can people find out more about you? Yeah so I think
1: um and th- and hey, if you've lasted this long listening, well, you deserve something. So thank you very much for that because I know I talk and I sometimes go off on these tangents. So I appreciate you guys for really tuning in all this way. So thank you very much for that. Um, so you can um, get in touch with me. I'm on Instagram there, just my name, Nigel Beach, N i g e l b a c h. Um you can check out Element Health, although I don't really post too much on there now. It's more just I'm just doing my thing. Um I've got a clinic in Tauranga, um and the website there is kneeandspinal.co.nz. Um you can also find me elementhealth.co.nz and um yeah, all the contact details are on there. Yeah, and I encourage you just to to keep on your path, you know, and keep keep learning, keep exploring. That would be my advice.
0: That's fantastic advice, and I, I couldn't recommend uh, one of your courses more. I, I obviously have, have been along and thoroughly enjoyed it, and mate, I'm I'm hugely grateful for your time today, for the the wisdom that you've shared and the insights that, that you share, Not only on this podcast, but you know i obviously follow you online as well, and, and the stuff that you're doing. Like I said, I've, you know you're certainly fighting the good fight, and um, you know I'm I'm grateful our, our paths crossed, and I, and I hope they do again in the future. And I and I'm you know I'm I'm really again grateful for the fact that you've been able to come on here today share. information because i know that um it's not as popular as as some of the other information that's potentially you know perversing people the other way so um you're fighting the good fight mate and i'm I'm appreciative of your time and uh, keep it up
1: cheers maddie it's been a real pleasure to come on man it's been great to meet your family here and you know you got a beautiful setup here so so thanks for thanks for getting me on because i know you're doing the genuine work too brother so thank you nigel thanks so much
0: and there it is Mr Nigel Beach what an absolute champion of a man he is and what a wealth of knowledge holy moly I felt a little bit out of my depth there if I'm honest talking to him he knows so much in the fields of human well-being human performance and and look if if that interests you at all and um, you know obviously I've done one of his courses I did the Wim Hof method uh, course but he obviously knows so much in so many different areas I couldn't recommend um, him enough jump online check him out Element Health or of course Nigel Beach as well follow his work and again I couldn't recommend getting on getting along to one of his courses more. Thank you so much, of course, to Nigel. I really appreciated his time and I'm super grateful we got to do the chat in person as well. I far prefer that. And of course, also thank you to you. Thank you so much for checking out the Road to Success podcast. I hope the fact that you're still listening means that you took something out of today. And if you did, I would ask you to do one small favor for me. Rate, subscribe and share the podcast. I love having these conversations and I love getting to chat with Nigel and hopefully you enjoyed it and took something out of it too. And if you did, you can rate the podcast on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, there'll be a share button. Hit that. Or alternatively, just go and tell someone to check out the Road to Success podcast on both Spotify and iTunes. That's it from me. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Have a lovely day. Talk to you next time. See ya. Bye.